This podcast is brought to you by Reach Innovations. For more info, go to reachinnovations.com. Welcome to The Conversation, where we talk about life, family, and ministry, and how we can apply what we learn to our everyday lives so we can be our best selves every day. Hey guys, welcome back to The Conversation. We are back, the Johnson family, and we have a special guest today. Um, Zach, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce the guest. (laughs) Um, So, uh, really, our, our family where Becca and I are at now is we're standing on the shoulders of um, really those that have gone before us and have really paved the way for um, just what we believe and how we believe and have really um, just uh, really set us up for success. And so uh, a huge spiritual mentor in in our life, um, our pop pop is in town and he is our our special guest um, and so it's just, we're, we're so just in awe of just what God has done in your life and what he's done, um, through you and that has impacted and affected our lives yes. deeply and greatly. Um, and also, so we're just super excited. Yeah, we're super excited. We also want, um, to give pastor Nicole or our mom, but Hey, chill. I know. Chill. Chill. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> mom. Um, cause this is her father to give her a chance to explain kind of like, what's, what's your dad's heart? What has he done throughout the years? What have you... Well, I'm already going to probably cry a okay. little bit. Just <laughs> because go. whenever I talk about my dad at church, I always cry because he's my hero. Because he overcame a lot in his, in his um, young life. He was 15 years old when he became a Christian. And to make a long story short, he was basically given an option from his family, mm-hmm. us or God. And he said, I love you, I honor you, but it's got to be God. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful that, that Christians got a hold of my dad. Um, it happened to be wrapped in a package of a real pretty little girl at school. <laughs> that um, Several. Several. Is. Several, yeah. Several. Several. <laughs> and, um, but he was, he was a popular guy at school, and so he was... He was um, the head of all the Glee Club. I mean, the Glee Club, I heard that that part. Of course, I wasn't around at that time. But just, just his testimony is just amazing. But what I wanted to really cover today was um, what he does, his missions, his heart. He took all of us kids around the world. And um, I'm just thankful because now I'm seeing that in my children and We've done a three-generation podcast before when, when my mother-in-law, my mom in love, Phil's mom, Jane, was on with us, and that was a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. so this is just a really unique time and a fun time to have three generations at the same table. But yeah. that's one reason why your dad says that he was attracted to me was because of, I think he fell in love. He had a, he had a what is it called, a man crush? On my dad, or something. You were just, Ooh. you know, what he did. What my dad it's a little did. awkward. <laughs> With you at the table, I don't know. Uh, basically, because you saw what he did, how he took his family in ministry, and it wasn't just the man going out, but it was the whole family going out. Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, when I when I saw, and I, I came over and I helped, you know, uh, pack the RV one time, and I remember looking at the RV, going, "Oh, this would be the ultimate." You know, and then and then here God, I had no idea God would have us living in one for five years and yeah. let us experience that and, 
and I still feel that way about it. But yeah, yeah. it was cool. So, so with that, um, he's you guys have last year you were able to go overseas with with Papa, yeah. and that was just like a so tremendous and you know we sewed the half of it half the first half into your into your trip and we're like you are going to go mm-hmm. um because because <laughs> thank of, you <laughs> of what yeah. papa would instill in you and mm-hmm. just being around that anointing yeah and he's definitely a paul in our life and yeah, speaks definitely. into us so without, so, so really to kind of set you up because uh, you've done i mean you've been so many places. I remember you showing us your passport. Real quick, he's been everything. to the continent of Africa sixty times. Over. I think he's been I mean, there he's many, many more more times than he is years old. I think sometimes <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he <laughs> will be buried in Africa. Yeah. So <laughs> Africa's his heart. So I, I've always said that when when Dad, when you go to heaven, we're just going to to cremate you and put you in little little Ziploc bags. <laughs> And oh, and wow. just just you're gonna be like the little what's it called when you go to a party? Well, fa- party favor, party, party and just send it. All, oh my word! Send it all over the world because <laughs> your heart is all. And on your fiftieth birthday, I remember giving you a paperweight, and it was the world. Mm-hmm. And I said, "You've given me the world." And so anyway, oh, yeah. Me. Okay. So with right. so with that, where did where where did you realize just God calling you and giving you a heart for the nations? Well. Nations. <coughs> That's quite an introduction. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, as as your mother said, that I'm basically the first person that I ever saw except Christ. Mm. Uh, when I, by the time I was 15 years old, uh, I had, I wasn't a church boy, though mm-hmm. I went to church once in a while to play basketball on the basketball team. But I saw these kids in high school. I was attracted to them. Uh, they they received me, and uh, they were active Christians, very very active Christians, and they invited me to church, and I didn't know what it meant to be born again. I didn't know what it meant to receive Christ. They said, "Well, all sinners," and I didn't know I was a sinner. Mm-hmm. I knew some of the things that I wasn't supposed to do mm-hmm. was not because they were sin; it was because I was too young, mm-hmm. you know. Right. right. And so I finally. This girl, I wanted to date this girl, as your mother said, and and uh, she said, well, the only way you can have a date with me is to take me to church. So I took her to church, her brother, her mother, her father, her. What? I didn't know. I never dated a Pentecostal girl. I didn't oh. know it was a family affair. Uh, but I went to this little Pentecostal church in my town, hometown in Kansas, and there must have been maybe 70 or 80 people there. And they begin to sing and clap their hands and jump up and down and shout praise the Lord. And I never, be, I didn't know that was the wrong thing to do because I'd never been to church. Mm. You know, I learned later that they were called holy rollers. And a lot of people <laughs> laughed at, at the way we worship. Right. But it, it impressed me. Yeah. And when I heard the gospel... The first time I ever heard the gospel preached, the pastor, the preacher said, invited sinners. And I, I used some humor in it. I said, you know, he invited all the sinners to come to the front. He knew I was the only sinner in the church. Mm-hmm. And they played that real scary music over on the piano. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and I put some humor in it. But that night, March the 27th, 1957, as a 15-year-old boy, <clears throat> And it's just real to me today, six, nearly 63 years later, it's as real to me today as the night it happened. Wow. 
And you know, the beauty is there's a campground not far from here in Springdale down in Stillwell, Oklahoma. And when I go to camp meeting there every year, I am able to see people who were, who were young people with me. And, and we still talk about, they all remember, Hmm. uh, you know, the night I was saved and they were all yeah. there. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. an amazing thing. But then uh, to get back to your question, Zachary, uh, <clears throat> one of my early spiritual influencers, mm-hmm. uh, mentors or influencers was uh, T.L. Osborne. Now, probably a lot of the world doesn't know who T.L. and Daisy Osborne were, but they're both in heaven now, but they were global evangelists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, Our family know who they are, but maybe people listening to this podcast may not know who they are. But they yeah. traveled the world mm-hmm. and held massive crusades. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Brother and Sister Osborne became personal friends of our family. And Brother Osborne was the one that really inoculated me with a desire for global missions. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I took my first international trip with your grandmother. Uh, actually, the very first time we went international, uh, let's see, your brother, your uh, Rob was born in 1964, September of 1964, mm-hmm. and it would have been the next year, it was either later that year or early the next year that your mother and I were sent by a businessman and his wife to the first international full gospel businessmen's fellowship international airlift mm-hmm. and we went they sent us paid for everything was that gordon Lindsay? uh was that no it was the heckler family that oh, sent us okay, sure. george sure. And, and mary heckler mm-hmm. and that, of course they played a big role in our life when we were in philadelphia yeah. uh but uh, the full gospel they sent us but we went with the full gospel fellowship mm-hmm. and our we went to london the first week, and then the second week, we went to Holland, to uh, the Netherlands, and stayed in Utrecht, Holland. And actually, a little side note here: when we were in Utrecht, we met. You remember Brother Andrew? Does that yeah. name ring a bell? He yeah. smuggled Bibles yeah. into restricted countries. We got to mm, meet Brother on. Andrew wow. on that at that uh, banquet that we were at. Come on! And uh, then we came back home, but now, that was our you first. Were from Kansas and Oklahoma. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. How old were you at this time? When oh, you well, we were just married. So, uh, well, we'd been married. Uh, <laughs> Rob was born in 64, and we so got married 19? in 61. <laughs> 18? So we'd been married just two or well, three Rob years. Rob was just born because mom, she's she, she been 20. No, she 21. was 20. Yeah. Mother was 20, yeah. and I was 22 mm-hmm. when they were when he was born, and then you kids started coming along in rapid succession. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was – then later – my first international trip, other than Canada, which I went back and forth to Canada, did a lot of preaching in Canada. Much love to Canada. And uh, But when we were pastoring in Delaware, uh, we had recently uh, severed our relationship with, with the denomination that we were with, and we started a, non-denom- a non-denominational church in the state of Delaware. Hmm. We started, and later, within three years, we put up a building that seated 1,000 people. Uh, a big, new, beautiful, multi-purpose building. Yeah. But it was while we were in Delaware that I was introduced to a, to a pastor from Malawi in East Africa. Mm-hmm. How long does this podcast go? Keep going. Okay. Going. Uh, About 30 minutes. Okay. We can actually cut it into two parts if we need to. Okay. Uh, pastor Matumba. We don't, we, don't, we don't get you very much. So okay. 
Brother Matumba, and he invited me to Malawi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd never been to Africa, and and, and well, I he stayed in our house. Pardon? Brother yeah, Matumba. I'm sure he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He had one eye going this way and one mm-hmm. eye going this way, and his left foot went out at <laughs> <laughs> an angle. Yeah. Uh, but he invited me, and then he he, I said, well, I've never been to Africa before. Uh, he told me several things you don't do. For example, when you're up preaching, you never put your hands in your pockets. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then there's a little side note that mm-hmm. when I went into his home, when I got there, I went into his home, and I was sitting in the living room with the pastor and one of the men from the church. We were sitting on the sofa talking. His wife and daughter come out of the other room to bring us a tray with refreshments. When they got in our room, they got on their knees and they walked over to us on their knees wow. and served us, Man. turned around on their knees back to the room. Then they stood up, went in the other room. And I thought, well, that was different. That night in church, I was sitting on the platform with the pastor and a couple of the ladies were bringing requests, prayer requests up. They got to the platform and they got on their knees and they walked to us on their knees. And I said to Brother Matuma, okay, explain this. He said, well, that's culture. He said, that's showing respect to the men. Mm. So when I got home a couple of weeks Mm. later, I introduced this to my home. (laughs) (laughs) And your mother said, said, it'll be a very cold day in the other world (laughs) before I get on my knees and walk to you on my knees. (laughs) But my trip to Malawi, and I've been back to Malawi since then Mm -hmm. about 11 times. Yeah. And... uh, uh my on that very first trip to Malawi I was uh uh maneuvered through several different areas and one area I spoke in a college and during the course of the of my presentation I spoke a prophetic word to a young man who I'd never seen before in my life mm-hmm. he led worship that day and uh later while I was speaking the Lord gave me a word for him and then you go on and and Sure. Yeah. You go on down the road. Ten years later, I get a telephone call from Malawi, East Africa. I answered the phone, and the and this accented voice on the other end of the line said, "I need to speak with uh, Pastor Robert Bartlett." And I said, "Who's calling?" And he said, "Well, tell him it's his son from Malawi." And I said, "Really?" I said, "I was a good boy when I was in Malawi." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he explained to me who he was. And he said, and when he found out he was talking to me, and he said, everything you spoke over my life has come to pass. Mm-hmm. He said, and I want to come to America and see my daddy, which is a very common African term for an older man or woman, mama. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, Pastor Samuel Gwandi came to America. Had He was in our church. We reunited. And to be honest, I don't even remember meeting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a God thing when that happened. Yeah. So he invited me to Malawi. And as a result of that initial visit, why I've been back and forth to Malawi about six, maybe six or seven times. And I'll be going back in 2020 mm. for an extended period. Yeah. Uh, but I've we've got about 12 or 13 churches in Malawi. Mm-hmm. And as a result of my visit to Malawi, that nation is contiguous to the nation of Mozambique. And so we have about a dozen churches in Mozambique. But it was, that was the beginning. When I went to Malawi, that was the beginning then of my trips to Africa. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then when we moved to, when we 
after we evangelized and I and we we had an organization called Kids International, Kids in Divine Service, and Mother and I and and my you children helped to organize, and we took dozens, probably three or four hundred young people mm-hmm. over a six-year period mm-hmm. on these short-term missions. We were all over. We went, went throughout Western Europe. We were into the uh, Caribbean area and uh, Mexico and the Caribbean area. And then after six years of traveling, we came. We moved to Arizona in 1988. Uh, only our son was married at that time. You girls were all still single. It helped us get that great church started that we pastored for 31 years. But then the big thing, and to answer your a long answer to your original question. Hey, take all the time you need. Uh, in 1998, the church started in 88. Ten years later, uh, our first refugee family came to us. And we had received a prophetic word earlier in that year to begin to prepare for the nations of the world to come to our church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thought already we were having Native Americans and, and we had Hispanic Americans as well as black uh, American-born black people and the white people. So we thought we were pretty international at the time. Mm-hmm. But then our first refugee family came from Chad uh, in Central Africa, and they'd been with us a couple of weeks, and we were excited about that. And I didn't relate, it, relate that to the prophetic word that had come. But within two weeks, he called and he said, they told us that in the complex where they were living, there, were, there was a Burundian family. Now, Burundi and Rwanda had gone through a horrible uh, Holocaust period, but when the Hutus and the Tutsis were fighting each other, mm-hmm. some listening to this podcast may remember several years ago when that hol- uh, nearly a million were killed in nine, in nine months. They said, can we bring this Burundian family? And I said, absolutely. They, and we were picking the Chad family up, so I called one of our members, and he went with me. We picked up the Burundian family. So now we had two cars full of refugees. Mm-hmm. The next Sunday, they called, and they said there's 18 more people, oh. 18 more Burundians that want to come to church. Come Can on. you pick them up? So I quickly got five or six more cars. Mm-hmm. And uh, within, a, within a few weeks' time, there were probably 40 or 50 Burundian people and Rwandan people who were living in that complex. And that started this tremendous... Uh, outreach mm-hmm. to to uh, refugee people, and then uh, the 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 uh, Ogoni people from River State in Nigeria started coming over, and they started coming to our church because our church then in Delaware in uh, Phoenix mm-hmm. uh, began to get a reputation of receiving refugee. We were the first church in the city of Phoenix, Arizona back in the late 90s, to begin to receive refugees. And then I went to work for an organization that worked with refugees, worked for them for a few months, but uh, there was a conflict of interest because I was strong Christian and wanted to Christianize these folks that were coming over, and and it wasn't allowed in this organization, so I, I mm-hmm. severed my relationship. But then there was a, a Nigerian came, and he was a refugee. Mm-hmm. He was from the Ogoni people. And he said, would you be willing to go to Nigeria and preach for my brother? So I went over to the Ogoni people. 
And since then, I've been back six times to those folks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but every time I would go somewhere, mm-hmm. I would meet another pastor from another country, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. One interesting thing is I was in, uh, uh, when I went to Europe on one occasion, I met a young man from Poland. No, 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 let me back up. I was at a Billy Graham conference in Amsterdam, Holland, <laughs> and it was in 1986. Come on. And while I was in that Billy Graham meeting, there were 10,000 people there. Uh, I met a past a German pastor that used to pastor in Columbus, Ohio, Brother uh, Werner Gunja. Mm-hmm. And... He saw me out of 10,000 people, and we reconnected. He had me come up and preach for him in Bremen, Germany. And the next year, when we were in Europe, we took our family, mm-hmm. and, right. uh, and the Sauls were the, I mm-hmm. think. Salisbury's. Yeah, the Salisbury's were with us. And we preached for Vernagunia. Well, when we were there in, in that meeting, I met a pastor from Poland. And he said, would you come and preach for us in Poland? Hmm. And so I said, yes. Wow. And so I went to Poland, mm-hmm. and I'm still friends with Christopher Vucek and his father-in-law, who's now in heaven. But I met another pastor, preached for him, been to Poland two or three times. Well, the second time I was in Poland, I met a pastor from Russia. <laughs> uh, wow. And from, actually from Minsk, Belarusia, he said, would you, he was visiting friends in Poland. Wow. So the next year I went to Belarusia and preached there while I was there. I met people from <laughs> Siberia. Wow. Whoa. And the next year I went to Siberia. You went to Siberia? I never I've knew been, that. I've preached, yes. Granddaughter, I've been from... Is that from, where they put you off the train? Pardon? Is that where they put you off the train? Well, that was a different <clears throat> meeting when uh, a pastor and I, <laughs> Doyle in. Patterson, we were traveling through Eastern Europe and we had to pass through a little piece of Russia and we were told by the embassy in, a, in Washington, D.C. that if we never got off the train... And that little stretch when we went through Russia, we we wouldn't need a visa. Well, when we were there, it was in the middle of winter. The snow was literally, and this is not evangelistically speaking, mm-hmm. snow was waist deep. Mm-hmm. They had to work. They made a path, and and you could it that the snow was up to your waist. Yeah. But when we when we stopped at the border in Russia and they came through the train, looking for visas. We told them, we said, well, we don't need a visa because we're not getting off the train. They said, no, you need visa. You need visa. Mm -hmm. And these were young Russians, heavily armed, and we didn't argue with them. And they put us off the train in the middle of nowhere. And there happened to be a little, probably a room about the size of this room we're sitting in, Mm -hmm. a pot-bellied stove off in the corner, nobody speaking English. And we were going to have to wait several hours for the next train coming through to take us back to Warsaw or Warsaw, Poland. And we sat there not knowing mm-hmm. what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. We were freezing. And uh, and the pastor traveling with me, Doyle Patterson, who used to work for me mm-hmm. at Teen Challenge, uh, he was scared to death because mm-hmm. he'd never been out of the country before. Mm-hmm. And I had a little bit of experience traveling, but I'd never been in a communist country before. Wow, yeah. Well, we waited several hours, and the train came back, and... Uh, we got the train back to Warsaw, Poland, and uh, our contacts in Poland thought we were gone. They, they didn't expect us to come back. We get back, 
And miraculously, we found a taxi that knew where the Pentecostal church was. Mm. And, I mean, the Pentecostal churches are extremely small and rare in that part of the world. But with all of this together, God has enabled me who, you know, I'm nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who will save anybody. Mm-hmm. And, That's it. and as a result of that commitment that I made, if I couldn't preach to a thousand, I'd preach to a hundred. If I couldn't preach to a hundred, I'd preach to 10. If I couldn't preach to 10, I'd go to the street corner, preach to one person. And as a result of that commitment, God has allowed me to travel to more than a hundred nations mm-hmm. in the world. And now I'm getting ready in just a few months to travel to nations I've never been to before, such as Burma and uh, so Pakistan. You're turning 78, and then you're going yes. to Burma, <laughs> back to Pakistan. Is that, will, be, will this be your first trip to Burma? Yes. Yes. I'm, I've been working for a couple of years through the well, Internet. Tell the king I said hi, because that's the king and I. Yeah, I think that, he, Country, that right? king has probably been gone for quite a while. But just for our listeners, that's where the king and I, yep. that, yeah, that whole story Brenner. came from. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and, but this young man in, in Burma, these churches are not urban. They're, they're back in the country. Mm-hmm. And he sent me, we do a lot of FaceTime uh, in, in Burma, and he's all excited the, Burm, the Christian population in Burma, of all Christians, not just our particular faith, but of all Christians, is probably less than 2%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in Pakistan, then from Burma, if, if God allows me to get a visa for Pakistan, which is the, 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 the Islamic Republic of Pakistan, the Islamic mm-hmm. Republic of Pakistan, mm-hmm. uh, the area that I'm going to is is it more of a rural area? It's not Islamabad and Lahore and and all the big Pakistani cities. Right. But I've been working with a the pastor there. We have a church that was established through the internet that I preached to them. Uh, I will call on my phone, and my pastor there hooks it up to his phone, and they run it through a computer and project me up on the screen. Come on. And, uh, and then I just preach, just sitting here like this preaching. Mm-hmm. And they've got about, they told me now, there's close to 50 people waiting for me to come over and baptize them. Mm. And baptism yeah. in Pakistan means that you could lose your life if it, becomes, if it becomes mm-hmm. public mm-hmm. that you've been baptized in, yeah. you know, as yeah. a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. And then later in the year, I'll be going for several months over back into Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nigeria, Malawi, Mozambique. Uh, I've been invited to uh, Ethiopia. If I can work it out on this journey, mm-hmm. then I'll go on up to Ethiopia. Now, our faith, our church in Ethiopia, when I, the Pentecostal people in Ethiopia number the one group uh, under my friend Bishop Teclamarian. They have about a, a million five hundred thousand members, and they they draw almost a million people to their annual camp meeting. And I've been invited to come and speak at that camp meeting. <laughs> and then the other Pentecostal group there, uh, the United Pentecostal Church International, they have about a million members. And so both of these groups together uh, comprise the majority of Christian people in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Now, Ethiopia is not necessarily a Muslim country. It is, Ethiopia is run by the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. The Ethiopian Orthodox Church are violently opposed to evangelical people. Mm. In fact, uh, they 
uh, Reinhard Bonnke a few years ago was ready to go in for a big national crusade on the big on a huge field yeah. and the the Ethiopian church the Ethiopian uh, Orthodox. Orthodox church forbid he had to cancel the meeting he couldn't hold a crusade wow. they're that strong mm-hmm. uh, but but Ethiopia is being shaken now by a tremendous revival come on and uh, that's that's uh, it's just a faith thing and mm-hmm. thank God I've been able to take Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two families, an older family, then, I, then mother and I raised uh, two other young people who are both adults, young adults, mm-hmm. and they, they were, uh, we were able to take them to Nigeria through England, so they, they got to visit England and they did kids' crusades in Nigeria, mm-hmm. not as extensively as we were able to take our older children, yeah. but uh, we've exposed all six of our children mm-hmm. to tremendous ministry. When Rob, your older brother... When we were, uh, I think, were we traveling on the road or were we, I think we were traveling on the road after we left Philadelphia and Rob went down to Haiti and spent several months in Haiti Mm -hmm. working with the missionary. And then on another occasion, I was supposed to go to Bolivia and it didn't work for me to go to Bolivia. So I sent him in my place and he was in Bolivia for about a month. Mm -hmm. And uh, so all of Mm -hmm. my children. We're so glad that in all of your international travels, you came to the country of Arkansas. Yeah. And you stay with us and use us as as a hub to go out from (laughs) and to minister. And 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 something else that I was wanting to ask you was, you know, we see a lot, and and I know you probably hear this a lot, you know, to where there's people that say, you know, well, I, I feel called to the nations or, you know, I want to go and I just want to go share the gospel in another nation. Something that I've seen you be, and, and, and you do it very practically and you're very um, just, I, I love how radical you are and just live in Jesus wherever you are, any time of day, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, because there's I a lot e- of people... Sorry. Yeah, what? No. I was just thinking whenever you said that, so radical, just real quick, when we were in India, we were in a Hindu village, uh, Hindu neighborhood, and there was a little Christian church in the middle of it. And like they were telling us white people to like get down. <laughs> like we're going to walk in the church really fast and walk out really fast. And Pop-Up got up on that pulpit. And I remember just being like, oh, Jesus, protect us. <laughs> because he's on that stage yelling, <laughs> yelling from the pulpit about all these Indian gods and how they're not the real God and how, you know, there's mm-hmm. one true God and just all this. And I'm just praying in tongues. I mean, but it's that <laughs> radical. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care who's there, mm-hmm. who's around, who can hear him. He's yeah. going to show Jesus. Yeah. Sorry. There's something that um, I think is very neat is that before, is that, yes, when you're in other nations, you're unashamed. But even when you're back here in the, uni- in the U.S., you're unashamed. Um, there's some people that they have such a heart for the nations and they want to reach people of other cultures, but they don't even have the guts to get out and reach people in their own backyards. And <laughs> that's something that I see you do a lot. And so how, how, what would you say to that person that says, well, I feel like I'm called to the nations, but mm-hmm. they're not utilizing what God's given them now to actually go out and reach those that are right next to them. I, you know, that's a good question. Uh, let me answer it this way. When we were pastoring in Delaware, we had a young man that would come to church occasionally, and he came to me one day, and he said, Pastor, he said, I feel I'm called to preach. How do I get started? And I said, uh, start coming to church on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, even where I'm at now in Phoenix, we've got a dynamic young family that are coming, several children. They're deeply involved in church, and he came to me 
few months ago, Pastor, I know I'm called to preach. Uh, what advice do you give me? They're late every Sunday. They never get to church on time. And I said, <laughs> Son, if you're going to be if you're going to be in ministry, learn to get to church on time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, practical yeah. Thing. yeah, exactly, small stuff. And so, if someone comes to you or me and says they feel called to the nations, if they can't reach their next door neighbor, at least to witness to him, whether he leads them to the Lord or not, but at least to witness to him, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then he's not going to be very effective overseas. One thing that anybody that's involved in international missions must understand that God Almighty is colorblind. And it doesn't make any difference the color of your skin or the accent that you speak or the nation that you're born in or the heathenism or paganism that you might have come out of. God Almighty is no respecter of persons. Right. And he'll save a he'll save the blackest Sudanese as quickly as he'll save the whitest Australian. And all hue in between. Mm-hmm. And so you have to number one, you have to love people. You have to be a lover of people. Mm-hmm. And I heard someone the other night when you were having a meeting in your home, someone was saying that uh, his passion was just loving people, loving on people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the first characteristic of an authentic Christian is to love people and, and, and see beyond their faults and their, thank God Jesus saw beyond my faults and failures right. and loved me in, anyway, loved yeah. me anyway. Yeah. And I am so proud of you grandchildren uh, you're, I love all nine of my grandchildren, but you love them differently. You love them equally, but you love them differently. And the impact that you've made on my life is, is, uh, it's hard for me to describe because I'm so proud of both of you because of your, you've got spiritual DNA and you've got something that I didn't have. I had no Christian influence in my life, uh, Fam- familial Christian yeah. influence. Mm-hmm. You've got it from both sides of your family and understand that you've received a legacy that is, that is beyond anything money could buy. And as I get older, I become more comfortable in my skin. And people ask me, they said, pastor, what if you preach stuff that people don't like? I said, I don't care. At my age, who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't care if they like me or don't like me. I know who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know what my... I know who my spiritual ancestors are. Yeah. You know, your your great 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 somebody named Doctor Josiah Bartlett mm-hmm. was one of the fifty six signers of the Declaration of Independence. We can trace our family back, but that's not who I'm blessed with. I'm blessed with my spiritual ancestors: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul, and Barnabas, and Timothy. Those are our spiritual ancestors, and if we can pattern our lives after them then we'll accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And you children, I see that in your lives, and I am so proud. I've told your mother and father I'm proud of how they have raised you and the standards and the principles that they have uh, uh, embedded in your life will will serve you the rest of your lives. Well, Dad, God, we would probably need to get ready to close, but God gave us a word, us girls, a couple years ago that... We're supposed to inspire those that are in front of us to keep going as long as you have breath and, and strength, go. Mm-hmm. And then to encourage those walking ne- next to us. 
and then to influence those coming behind mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So we're to inspire, encourage, and to influence. And what you just articulated that they're inspiring you to mm-hmm. keep going. Mm-hmm. And you're obviously encouraging and influencing them to, to keep going. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a beautiful picture of what God wants to happen in the body of Christ all the time. It's really. circular. Mm-hmm. Circular, yep. Uh, yep. It's uh, But some of the great men outside of our family, like T.L. and Daisy Osborne, Moore Cirillo, yeah. uh, Oral Roberts, mm-hmm. some of these great men and women, uh, Christ for the Nations, Gordon and Frida Lindsay, many of your listeners, have, these are just names to them. But inside the kingdom of God, those of us who work in the kingdom mm-hmm. know what they mm-hmm. they contributed, what the lives that they lived, the sacrifices they went through in the early days yeah. before before being spirit-filled and being charismatic and Pentecostal, mm-hmm. before that was fashionable, they endured. I remember as a boy going to the little church in Ark City, we were in revival, no air conditioning, so it was summertime. The windows were up, and people threw eggs in the church, and they threw tomatoes mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. the windows because we were loud. Uh, and and uh, but the saints just, but you know. We thank you for sticking by the stuff. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. 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 Yep. Because it is people like you and and just even Phil and I's generation. We've got to stick by the stuff. There's That's so right. many people that are burning mm-hmm. out, that are turning, that are rewriting the word the Bible to, to, to suit their fancy, to suit their, their interpretations. Mm -hmm. And no, it's, it's the word of God, Mm -hmm. pure and simple. God's word is simple, uh, but it's not easy. Mm -hmm. And so, but we try to make it so difficult that we can't do it, but no, Mm -hmm. everyone can, can live for God. Um, he's, he's, his, his word never changes mm-hmm. and you can go anywhere in this world and preach the same message because yeah. that's, that's the God we serve. He's not, he's not an American God. He's not an African God. He's, he's God and his principles will work anywhere. And one thing that our family has stood for from the beginning is that women are equal with men. In kingdom service, in mm. kingdom work, preach it, preach, um, preach it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> women, you know, your your grandmother was a pastor. Yeah. She was a preacher. Yeah. Uh, she stood beside me, equal mm-hmm. with me. She didn't walk three steps in back of me. Mm. Uh, she didn't get on her knees and she did not get on her knees <laughs> <laughs> and walk. Yeah. And your mother, you know, is is a, an ordained preacher. Yeah. Uh, your, you know, Courtney was ordained uh, many, many years ago, and she's done some ministry. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, my younger daughter, my youngest daughter, is is a preacher on staff with us. So we believe, as a family, that women are equal with men in ministry. Also, mm-hmm. now some of our functions are different, but don't yeah. ever let your gender slow you down, Mm-mm. Rebecca, from yeah. doing the Lord's work. And you've got your mother and dad's DNA in you strong Mm -hmm. and so uh i just wanted to add that little caveat Mm -hmm. caveat that that women are equal with men yes Mm -hmm. and we have women pastors on church in in pennsylvania phoenix arizona yeah yeah that's it hey so i think something that we really learned in this that is a normal um i'm just not thinking of words right now (laughs) a normal thing we talk about being the conversation is family and how important it is um, to do these things together. Mm -hmm. So if you are young and you're thinking, 
man, my family's not like that right now. Or one day when I get married, I want my family to be together. Um, be it in ministry, in life, you just want to live life together and do mm-hmm. that together. Yeah. Um, we just want to encourage you to be a li- literally a living testimony that it can work and it can happen. Because yeah. um, Pop-Up was the first in his, in our family, in our, you know, mom's side of the family. Um, and he's a major reason why we follow God today. Right. And so it starts with one. Mm-hmm. So be the one. Yeah. That's a good sermon title. Be the one. Be, be the one. I'm going to preach a sermon along that Do line. it. <laughs> be the one. Don't awesome. take my sermon, Papa. No, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Conversation. For more episodes, feel free to subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search The Conversation. Thanks again for listening.